Hello, sleepy listeners in the Milky Way. This is Space Cat Coco, and you are listening to Sleepy Reads. The Galactic Guppy has selected me to create audio logs of handbooks, manuals, and how-to books from Vintage Earth in a peaceful voice to help Earth humans with focus, sleep, and relaxation. If you are not an Earth human, feel free to listen. This podcast is available to all in the Milky Way. When you go through the selection process for your SUSTU, the Shared Universal Space Transmission Unit, in most cases, you will bond with one right away. Some Earth humans are a little startled by the process. Once you complete the compatibility test, the SUSTU coordinator will retrieve you and place you in a SUSTU selection room. There are hundreds of SUSTUs that are possible matches. They will all approach you, sometimes in a mass swarm, ask you questions, and some will just ignore you. You will know when you are selected. One SUSTU will stay near you and its eyes will glow green. In rare cases, some come out of selection with multiple SUSTUs. Usually, no more than three get bonded. It is not known why this happens, but it works out well for the group. If you do not get selected, do not be upset. More than likely, you are not truthful on your test. You will have to go through the entire selection process again and take additional tests. Do not lie on these tests. This will make the selection process go on forever. The SUSTUs will know if you lie. It is now time for the audio log. For more information and transcripts, go to spicyponydesign.com. If you experience sound disturbances from crunching craters, some have found that listening to these audio logs, along with hums of moon daubers, can cover the sounds of crunching. Find a sleep method that best works for you. And now, the ending, part two of two, The Canadian Curler's Manual, by James Bickett, Secretary to the Toronto Curling Club, published Vintage Earth Year, 1840. The preceding account has been, as far as practicable, divested of technical terms in order that it might be the more intelligible to the uninitiated. Many of the words and phrases, however, used in curling are peculiar to the game, throwing light on its origin and history. 
and it would now be as difficult for curlers to abolish the language of the rink as it would be for the gentlemen of certain learned professions to substitute the Queen's English for their most unclassical Latin. An explanation of the following terms, which are in constant use, is therefore indispensable in a work of this nature. Angled guard, a stone which obliquely covers or guards one stone or more. Bias, an inclination in the ice tending to lead a stone off the direction given to it by the player. Block the ice. See, fill the ice. Board head. See, broth. Bonspiel. A match at a curling between two opposite parties. Break an egg on. To strike one stone very gently with another. Broth. The space within the largest circle drawn round the T. Channel stain. A curling stone is so named in the southern counties of Scotland, probably from stones found in streams having been first used for curling. Chuckle two. To make two or more inwicks up a port to a given stone. Creep. Come creeping up the rink. The stones are said to creep when they are thrown with little force. Curling. Sliding stones along the ice towards a mark. Dead guard. A stone which completely covers another, concealing it from the view of the next player, is a dead guard upon that other. Deliver, to throw the stone. Director, the same as skip or skipper. Draw a shot, to play to a spot pointed out by the director, having no other stone to strike or rest upon. Dower, drug, dull. The state of the ice when the stone cannot easily be thrown the length of the rink. End. That portion of the game in which the stones are all played to one end of the rink. Guard, to lay a stone in a line before another, or the stone so laid. Hack or hatch, a cut in the ice in which the player places his foot to prevent it from slipping as he delivers his stone. Head, see end. Hind hand, he who plays the last stone on his side. Hog score, the line drawn across the rink about seven yards from the tee. Stones which do not pass this are thrown aside. 
how ice, the ice in the middle of the rink, hollowed by the friction of the stones, also called white ice. In ring, in wick, see wicking. Keen, the opposite of dower. Leader, he who plays first in order in his party. Lie in the bosom of, to play a stone so as gently to touch and lie before another. Outwick, see wicking. Patlid, a curling stone lying on the tee. Port, an opening between two stones, wide enough to admit another to be played through. Rack, a word used in some districts instead of rink. Red the ice, to clear the ice or to break the guards which a stone strongly played so as to expose the tea or the winner to ride successfully. Rest, to draw to any object or point so as not to pass it. Ride, to throw a stone with great force towards one or more other stones in order to remove them from their position. Rink, the ice on which the game is played. Shot, a stone played in another sense a stone which counts. Skip or skipper, a director. T, the winning point to which the stones are played. Twist, to give to a stone on its being delivered a rotary motion so that it revolves on its sole as it slides along the rink and bends from the straight line when the force with which it has been thrown is nearly exhausted. Wicking, wick, in wick. To make a stone take an oblique direction by striking another on the side. Part 2. History of Curling the early history of curling is involved in such obscurity that the time even of the antiquarians might be better employed in eating beef and greens or in playing the game than in endeavoring to discover its origin. Some of these gentlemen have, from the definition given, of a certain word in an old dictionary come to the conclusion that curling was originally the game of quats played upon the ice. Killian, in his entomological Teutonique lingua, renders the Teutonic words cloiten, caloiten, ludremasis, Siv globus claxiatus, citare discus 
and aquar glaciato. The term cloit or clite is still used in some parts of Scotland, where it always signifies to fall flat or to fall so that the broadest part of the falling body first comes in contact with the ground but it never has any reference to moving on a plain surface. The words luder and ceter throw no light on the manner in which the globus or discus was used, but until it can be shown that they were moved upon the ice, not pitched through the air, it is difficult to perceive the relation between cloyton and curling. As soon as the stones were played by being slidden, if the antiquarians could only determine the period of that event, a new game was introduced, affording opportunities equal to those of the quat for muscular exercise and a much wider field for the exercise of judgment. The earliest notice of curling which has been discovered is in Camden's Britannia, published in 1607. In it, Coppenshaw, one of the Orkney Islands, is mentioned as famous for excellent stones for the game called curling. This shows that it was then in considerable repute in the life of William Guthrie, who, in the year 1644, was ordained minister of Fenwick in Ayrshire. It is stated that he was fond of the innocent recreations which then prevailed, among which was curling. In 1684, the game is taken notice of in Fountain Hall's decisions, Pennycook, also in the 17th century, declares that to curl on the ice doth greatly please, being a manly Scottish exercise. And he celebrates the game as calculated. To clear the brain, stir up the native heart, and give a gallant appetite for meat. Ramsey has alluded to curling, Burns and Tam Sanson's elegy, shows in few words that he himself understood the game. Graham, the author of The Sabbath, has illumined the rink with the luster of his own genius, and curling forms the subject of beautiful part of Fisher's winter season. Though the game has never been universal in Scotland, it has long been practiced in almost every country south of the Forth and the Clyde. The shires of Eyre, Renfrew, Lanark, and Dumfries are remarkable for their attachment to curling. 
It is played in Perthshire, the Countess of Mansfield being now patroness of the Scone and Perth Club, but we are not aware of its having been, until lately, practiced farther north. In Aberdeen, that city of Northern Lights, it is unknown. The editor of the Aberdeen Herald, who is a native of a curling district, laments in his paper of 13th January, 1838, that all was then bound up in the icy stillness of the season, and that in place abounding with the material for making admiral curling stones, and with arms strong enough to wield them. No friendly combatants contested the field. The game was played near Iverness in 1838, when Lochna Sane, or the Whispering Lake, with the picturesque hills of Tomna Hurek and Torvane echoed for the first time to the booming of the stones over the ice. Curling has long been held in high estimation in Edinburgh. About the beginning of the last century, the magistrates marched in a body to the North Lock to spend the day in curling. In going and returning, they were preceded by a band of music playing appropriate airs. It was the custom in Paisley not many years ago to send round the town drummer after two or three nights, hard frosts, to proclaim to the inhabitants where the curlers should meet in the morning. And in the morning, should the frost continue, hundreds might be seen. Manufacturers, baileys, weavers, and clergymen, resorting promiscuously to the rendezvous. For, on the ice, all are on level. All ordinary distinctions in society are for the time forgotten in the love of the game. And the noble and the learned are there willing to be directed by the most skillful player. Though this should happen to be the humblest of their neighbors, in some of the agricultural districts of Scotland, the extent of curling clubs is regulated by the legal divisions of the country, being again subdivided among themselves into rinks, who always play together under their respective skips. The organization resembling, in many respects, that of the militia of Canada, and on the occasion of a contest with another club, every man who, if in this country, should be liable to serve as a soldier, turns out willingly for the honor of his corps. There, however, 
age procures no exemption from service. In the words of Graham, when rival parishes and shrivedoms keep on upload lock the long-expected tryst to play their yearly bonspiel, aged men, smit with the eagerness of youth, are there, while love of conquest lights their beamless eyes, new nerves their arms, and makes them young once more. And now, the interlude. Moondauber Delights presents Waffles Ingredients 1 and 3 fourths cups flour 3 teaspoons baking powder 1 half teaspoon salt 1 cup milk Yolks of 2 eggs Whites of 2 eggs 1 tablespoon melted butter. Mix and sift dry ingredients. Add milk gradually. Yolks of eggs well beaten. Butter and whites of eggs beaten stiff. Cook on a greased hot waffle iron. Serve with maple syrup. A waffle iron should fit closely on range, be well heated on one side, turned, heated on another side, and thoroughly greased before iron is filled. In filling, put a tablespoonful of mixture in each compartment near center of iron. Cover and mixture will spread to just fill iron. If sufficiently heated, it should be turned almost as soon as filled and covered. In using a new iron, special care must be taken in greasing or waffles will stick. This recipe was found in the Boston Cooking School Cookbook. Copyright Vintage Earth Year 1910. And now, the conclusion of the Canadian Curler's Manual. On 20th January 1838, the parish of Lasmanhago in Lanarkshire met the neighboring club of Avondale on a sheet of ice near Strathaven. Each club consisted of 21 rinks of eight players, making the number of players on each side 168, so that 336 curlers were engaged in the match. Such a bonspiel as this may not take place every season, but this instance, which is referred to as being of recent occurrence, is sufficient to show the interest which, in such districts, is taken in the game, and, also, the excellence of the organization 
which could bring so many players together on a notice so short as that which can be given where the continuance of a hard frost cannot be depended on. It is now about 20 years since curling was introduced to Canada, and since that time, the game has been regularly played at Quebec and Montreal. The clubs of those cities, in imitation of their friends on the other side of the Atlantic, have occasional contests with each other. The match which they last had came off in March of the present year and was played at both places on the same day. One half of the players from each city having proceeded to the other so that the result of the joint game could not be known at either place until the parties had time to communicate. A few years ago, the Bonspiel took place at Three Rivers, the distance which, in those cases, the players had to travel sufficiently shows how warmly they are devoted to the game. During the last winter, the officers stationed at some of the posts to the south of Montreal relieved the monotony of military duty by engaging in curling. The game has been practiced at Perth in the Bathurst district, although now fallen into disuse there. At Niagara, a rink was formed four years ago, one gentleman having imported a sufficient number of stones for their use, and great interest is now taken in the sport. At Newmarket, about 30 miles to the north of Toronto, there is a curling club. The minister, like many of his brethren at home, be an active promoter of the game and an exact and skillful player. Curling is now also a favorite amusement at Dundas at the head of Lake Ontario at Guelph in the new district of Wellington, and at Fergus in the township of Nicole. There are also many first-rate players in Scarborough who are always ready to measure their strength in numbers and skill with those of Toronto, and both enjoy the Sertamines Guida in their annual Bonespiel. They played at Toronto on the 12th February last, with 24 players aside, when their excellencies the Governor General and the Lieutenant Governor were spectators of the game. The Fergus Club has been mentioned above, but is worthy of more particular notice being, perhaps, the first which was regularly organized in Upper Canada. The settlement of that neighborhood was begun in 1834, and the gloom of the first winter was dispelled 
by the introduction of the game. In the course of the winter following, the Honorable Adam Ferguson, who was the principal proprietor and the enlightened founder of the settlement, succeeded in forming the players into a club, of which he was the first president, and which now numbers upwards of 30 members. They play with blocks of hard wood turned into the proper shapes, which they have found to answer the purpose except when the ice is dull. The experiment has been made of loading the blocks with lead in order that the size and weight may bear about the same proportion to each other as in curling stones, and this they consider a decided improvement. The example of the curlers of Fergus in constituting a club ought to be followed in every neighborhood where there are players sufficient for one rink. The permanency of the game and opportunities of playing may thus be secured in places where, without such arrangement, the greatest difficulty might be experienced in bringing the players together. Although the game has been played at Toronto every winter since 1829, it was never enjoyed to the same extent as it has been since the formation of the club in 1836. By the judicious arrangement of the managers in appointing the hours of playing and in having the ice ready before the curlers meet, the time which was formerly wasted in preparations that may be performed by laborers is now spent in the game, and thus the recreation can be shared by many who should otherwise, by the nature of their occupations, be excluded from the rink. Wherever on this continent curling has been introduced and not continued, its decline is attributable to the want of that system which the proper organization of a club would ensure. Wherever curlers have been united in the way now recommended, they have been enabled to attract constant ascensions to their numbers, and by spreading throughout their respective neighborhoods a love of the game to establish its permanency beyond the chance of decay. Mr. John Graham of New York, the best authority in the United States in every matter connected with Scottish nationality as existing there, and who permits his name to be used on this occasion, stated during his recent visit to Toronto that the game was sometimes played at New York, but there being no club, a special arrangement was always necessary before any meeting on the ice could take place. If the New York curlers were to unite, there can be no doubt 
that the game would go ahead there, and that in a few winters hence, we should hear of their having a sponspiel with their friends in Canada, either at Montreal or Toronto. A few plain rules are sufficient for government of a curling club. The following constitution, which was agreed upon by the Toronto curlers, has been found to answer every purpose for which it was intended. A few additional regulations have since been made, but these are only of a local or temporary nature. Constitution of the Toronto Curling Club Article 1st The office bearers of the club shall consist of a president, two vice presidents, four managers, and a secretary and treasurer, who, after the first election, shall be elected at the annual meeting in December to be called as provided in Article 5th. Article 2nd. Any person wishing to become a member may be proposed at any regular meeting of the club, and if the proposal be seconded, the election shall proceed. When the votes of a majority of three-fourths of the members present and the payment of the entrance fee and of one year's subscription, as provided in Article 3rd, shall be required for the admission of the applicant. Article 3rd. In order to provide a fund to meet necessary expenses, members shall pay on admission the sum of as entrance fee and also the sum of as their first year's subscription, and shall afterwards pay such annual subscription as may be determined by the club at the annual meeting. Article 4th. The committee shall draw up the rules of the game according to the prevailing practice in Scotland, which rules when entered on the books of the club and read at the regular meeting, shall regulate the playing, and shall be decisive in all disputes among the members, and may also, in case of playing with other clubs, regulate the match unless objected to by such other clubs. Article 5th. The annual meeting when office bearers shall be elected, shall be held on the first Tuesday of December, and regular meetings shall also be held on the first Tuesday in January, February, and March in every year, at such place as the President may appoint to be properly intimated to the members and occasional meetings of the club, may also be called by the president whenever he may consider it expedient. Article 6. Members shall pay their annual subscription to the treasurer 
within one month after the amount of the same shall be determined, and on failing to do so, they shall be considered as having withdrawn from the club. Article 7. The rules of the club may be altered or new rules added with the consent of three-fourths of the members present at any regular meeting. Such alterations or additions have been proposed at the regular meeting proceeding. That is the end of the Canadian Curler's Manual. Here is a message from the Ice Cream Nebula Rec Station Community Association. There is a group of vintage earth humans and non-vintage earth humans that are interested in gathering to learn more about curling and would like to have regular curling practice. To be able to schedule a regular time slot with the Community Association Simulators, they need two full teams. Please contact the Community Association with your SUSTU to find out more information. Please note, you must be a resident of the Ice Cream Nebula Rec Station to use the Community Association Simulators on Deck 50. If you are on temporary assignment, you can fill out the form with your SUSTU to have temporary access to the community simulators. Visitors to the rec station are not allowed on deck 50. If you are not on the Ice Cream Nebula rec station and cannot find a group to play with, you can create your own clubs within your simulator unit. You can add as many teams and players as you want, real or simulations. Your simulations can be saved with your SUSTU, so you can always start where you left off when you move or travel. Well, Milky Way listeners, that is all for tonight. Thank you for listening. Have a lovely night, rest well in your space, and ignore all piles of socks. Thank you for listening. You can find Sleepy Reads in your favorite podcast app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Sleepy Reads is produced by Spicy Pony Design. For more information and transcripts, go to spicyponydesign.com.